Welcome back to another Untitled Tribeca review. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, is that your Texas accent? That's my Texas accent. Today, we are reviewing Ty Roberts' 12 Mighty Orphans. Well, I do declare... (laughs) Um, yeah, 12 Mighty Orphans, which is, uh, had just played, uh, the, uh, Tribeca Film Festival, uh, releasing by Sony Pictures Classics on, I don't even know. It's actually already, uh, released in Texas and then it's sort of a platform Limited release release in Texas. Yeah. And then it'll be out in Canada through Mongrel Media, I believe in late July, early August. I'm just going to look this up right now. You can tell we really love this movie because we're doing (laughs) the research on the fly. Um, I'm just looking it up on their site right now. Uh, 12 mad orphans. Uh, it will be released on Friday, Stalling. August 6th. There we go. 2021. Get ready, everyone. <laughs> I'll be vaxxed and ready to go by then. You can so see it in the you. theater the way that it was really meant to be seen. <laughs> uh, directed by Ty Roberts uh, with a cast that includes Luke Wilson, Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, uh, Vanessa Shaw, Wayne Knight, uh, Jane Austen Walker, Treat Williams, Carlson Young, Natasha Bassett, Jacob Laughlin, Lane Garrison, Scott Hayes, Kelly Fry, uh, Sampley, uh, Baringa, uh, Levi Dillon, Slade Monroe, Lucy Faust, uh, all your favorites. Um, oh boy. Although, <laughs> shout out to Wayne Knight because, okay, this movie's not good. It's It's almost, it's really funny actually because it's just so corny um and just well it's, it's cliched like it's, cliched, it's like it's yeah. the it's not just football like it's the ultimate sort of sports biopic, biopic cliche yeah. and putting every single trope that you would find yeah. in one of these movies and turning it up to 11 to the point where it feels almost like a parody but it, it almost feels like satire but yeah. it works because it's sincere about yeah. what it's doing that's what makes it kind of funny but there's also yeah. something i'll talk about later on that gave me a little bit of a post-traumatic stress disorder when it came to okay. a sundance movie uh that it has a connection to so interesting that's even worse um, than this film if you can believe oh that. oh my goodness oh my goodness uh yeah I, I i remember texting you and i was like eric this feels like i'm watching walk hard but something that is completely But instead of music, sincere. it's for sports. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, it feels like that, like a fake movie in, or I mean, Walk Hard was a real movie, obviously. That is genuinely funny. That is deconstructing, you know, the tropes of the, you know, musical biopic and, and, and things like that. And that almost feels like, you know, what this movie has so many of those, like you said, that it does feel like it's deconstructing it by going, look at every cliche or every kind of thing we can throw in here that you know has been overdone a million times or just is you know way too try hard or just trying to you know emotionally manipulate you through every little thing or just to the point where it's just hilarious at times because of it um anyways i wanted so but but it's kind of like it's kind of like when you watch a movie that's usually about the industry whether it be obviously like entourage or the player or something like that and you see a character watching a scene from a fake movie, you know, a movie that was yes. made for like to have like this little kind of like moment in in 
a film and it's like the joke kind of movie within the movie or even funny mm-hmm. people funny people does that as well a lot with like the adam sandler films that are kind of like yes it does feel like movies. that yeah. yeah and that's what 12 mighty orphans ultimately is even though it's based on a true story although it's it's sort of phrasing of that at the beginning is a little bit strange as well where it's like this is inspired <laughs> by true events and it's like yeah it's always funny when you see like people trying to like take the inspired <clears throat> by true events or based on a true story and like sort of adjust the phrasing so much that it, you know they can depending take on how much artistic creative license like, yeah, and things yeah. like that yeah artistic liberty um back to my wayne knight point it was so nice to see wayne knight in you know a you know he's one of the leads in the movie really like he he's got a bigger role than well, he's, he's the usually. antagonist of the film essentially. <clears throat> yeah and that was like at first i was psyched because i was like oh man we haven't seen like Wayne Knight in like a, you know, I don't want to call this a meaty role, but like, you know, a substantial role in something in, in quite some time. Like, I feel like, you know, we've seen him pop up in blind spotting and hail Caesar or, you know, voice, a lot of voice roles lately, like in Harley Quinn. And, um, you know, I think he's, well, he did the mailing ballot as well for, uh, voting (laughs) registration during the election period as well, which was a Seinfeld kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was that perfect sweet spot in like the nineties to two thousands where Wayne Knight was in everything or at least everything I was watching. It felt like, right. Cause you had him, you know, obviously, you know, stuff that I wasn't watching in the early nineties, but like basic instinct, well, I mean, which we yeah, watched yeah, basic instinct. I mean, um, his, his mm-hmm. one scene with all these amazing character actors and obviously it's a very, you know, iconic scene, <clears throat> um, is incredible. But yeah, I mean like most people, <laughs> Jurassic would know Park him and Seinfeld. From Seinfeld is Newman, and then yeah. Dennis Nedry in, in Jurassic Park, and but then you had him in Space Jam, you know, voice in Hercules, Toy Story like, Two, just Toy Story Two, yeah. I mean, a lot of Disney stuff. I mean, Rat Race again, and and even cheaper by the dozen to an extent. But he's then good. as you get, he's in, he's a good character actor, and, and so then that's it's why nice I, seeing him, even though he's kind of terrible in this, like everybody else. Oh yeah, he is. It's just overacting. Him and his paddle like, named Bertha. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, really. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that that's, I guess, the reason why, you know, and I guess with the name actors with like Martin Sheen and Robert Duvall and, you know, you know, at the tail end of their careers, but um, which I want to talk about at some point. Yeah, because it's like, oh, man, like this. But I'm kind of with you um, with. It's so funny. What did I see a clip of with Martin Sheen the other day? Something's getting remastered in 4K or something that he's in that I was like, man, Martin Sheen looking young in this movie. Was it The Dead Zone? Because I know Scream Um, Factory is releasing uh, a collector's edition in July. Yeah, maybe that was what it was. Um, But Apocalypse Now was remastered. Speaking of- Oh, I think it was Apocalypse Now. Martin Sheen and Robert Duvall. Was Apocalypse Now featured in a movie we watched recently or in something? Anyways, saw Martin Sheen pop up in something in Apocalypse Now Well, you also did see- him pop up in uh prosthetics in uh judas and the black messiah sure as yeah. j edgar hoover which is yeah. ridiculous but you and and you watch him in this and you're like okay like you know he just looks like martin sheen in this except you know his trope is that he's basically almost playing like again going back to apocalypse now he's basically playing dennis hopper and hoosiers where he's like the sure. alcoholic sort of like you know uh secondary coach to uh luke wilson's uh russell rusty which or rusty russell which is just mm-hmm. his character sort of backstory of like him also yeah, you should just a, tell people what the hell this movie is well, I, guess. I mean <laughs> it's it's if you've seen one of these kind of sports dramas you've seen them all but essentially it's set in a true uh, underdog story. yes it's set in texas during the great Depe- 
depression where it was a time in which you know hope was in short supply all those war flashbacks oh it's amazing uh in such the worst (laughs) possible way um and the idea that you know this is this is a moment in history where you know like being an orphan is looked down upon and like you know you're 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 not even as good as dirt you know you're basically useless and so this one you know fort worth uh orphanage uh where kids are basically you know taught to uh work and and are exploited uh, as such in printing paper and things like that there's a print press that Wayne Knight's character uh basically sort of has the boys doing and sort of running them like it's a a, a factory or a facility and then you have like a sweatshop yeah or... and then you have you know Luke Wilson's character coming in to be the guy who's going to inspire the boys to you know uh have some dignity and and self-worth in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, and sort of creating this uh, uh, high school football team, and sort of them going through the jurisdiction and 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 the bureaucracy of creating the team and training them, and and uh, Rusty Russell is kind of like the coach that you want to kind of build up something from scratch. Um, and through the course of this, uh, the the main cast of uh, orphans are all again defined by certain tropes or um, character or characteristics that are just kind of again very cliched and over yeah. the top. One guy has a stutter and like yeah, one you know, of them is very traumatized. That's not like, really yeah. like an orphan to begin with. Like he had a father, and then like even some of that is is very vaguely sort of like discussing like what happened to the father. Because they bring him in and he's just covered in blood and they're like, oh yeah, I saw his father get killed. <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. And and again, like this is all happening during the Great Depression. It's near the end of the 30s. So World War II is obviously looming large. You know, America is not really involved in what's going on in Europe at the time. But, um, you know, you, you get the sense that like with some of the World War One footage that they're showing and like with yeah. the mustard gas and things like that and sort of constantly. Yeah. And, and, and like the thing that's the worst about this, I think is like the most offensive thing about it is that this movie is spoon feeding you every, you know, step of the way with Martin Sheen, who has a great voice. And he is, he does, I mean, like, again, going back to Apocalypse Now, when you think of his voiceovers and that, you know gives you a play-by-play of every sort of major moment in this team's history and sort of, you know, how they kind of came out of nowhere to basically inspire a whole country. And so we get Martin Sheen giving us, you know, this voiceover that's so hammy and phoned in Mm -hmm. and him telling us, like, how the boys, you know – went through this moment and and conquered diversity and things like that. And you're just like – give me a break (laughs) you're just watching this thing but then it gets almost like into like it's not i can't believe i'm saying this either um hacksaw ridge is is a much better made movie but it has that corniness in it like there's one orphan um you know when they're becoming successful his mother comes back in the picture to kind of get him for thanksgiving his name's weedy (laughs) and like there's this whole thing you're gonna come you know with me for thanksgiving and it's just almost like plays like hugo weaving at the dinner table that's when i shut off uh hacksaw ridge was that scene with you with hugo will even going jimmy look good in his uniform it was so (laughs) and then that's what made i'm more mad at that movie where this movie i can just kind of whatever it's bad it's like it, it 
was laughable, but it was just at least it's sort of it was almost two hours. Yeah, um, it's so corny but, and self serious, but at the same time, it just plays into each and every cliche without actually hooking you in emotionally and like you said like it is more of a parody or satire of these movies than anything else like even the scene when they're using sort of this fake paper mache football because they're they're, the one football they have um you know uh is is basically deflated at one point Mm -hmm. and it explodes in luke wilson's (laughs) face to trigger this you know world war one memory of him and his brother (laughs) it's just so over the top and goofy and what should be like and you shouldn't be laughing yeah Yeah, you shouldn't be laughing like his reaction is like (laughs) (laughs) i mean he has so many reactions there's like a slow like zoom in on luke wilson's face when he's trying to show emotion he's trying so hard and it just ends up being like and you got this the score by mark or who uh i mean i think he did the score to nebraska uh wasn't it um that he yeah that he um did which is a great score but in this it just it's again that cliched sports inspirational kind of score and every every time when they would zoom into luke wilson's face and like we keep going back to this fake movie thing but it seems like a movie that like owen wilson would be in where luke wilson's in it they're playing themselves and owen wilson is like making fun of his brother for doing this bad sports movie and then you like see a clip of this bad sports movie that feels like is you're supposed to laugh at in a fake movie and i'll keep going back to that because that's just how it felt like a fully like you know when will ferrell and um did that lifetime movie with um Kristen Wig, yeah. Uh, Kristen Wig and they just took it seriously and they're like no, we're going to make one of those lifetime movies like exactly how they would make it. Right. Like that's what it feels like everyone in this is doing is like we're going to do a full feature length satire on this shit and it's going to take itself seriously but really we're making fun of it. And then I don't know if it makes it worse or funnier that it is just everyone taking it seriously and trying to make a good inspirational. Well, because they're movie. thinking while they're making it that this is going to be like you know this inspirational sort of true story, and like you know obviously the results of it are the opposite of it. But in the moment of when they're making it, they're they're not thinking, oh, we're doing this and like you know this is cliche. Like they're giving it their all, and like you know like the 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 locker room speeches the uh like there's there's this amazing sort of sort of uh villain coach character for for polytech another division in in texas where like when 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 when, like so the first time he's introduced he literally is standing outside of like this like courtroom that um you know luke wilson and uh, martin sheen go into that will appeal to them uh giving this orphanage the ability to play with the other divisions in texas and after he goes in he's like uh this villain coach is like (laughs) orphan football players what's next women voting <laughs> yes it's that kind of shit that you're just like all right that's the the level of writing you're gonna get in this movie and that is just it's and the way that character looked and he well, always he looks was like hitler always, right like yeah, that, that haircut right. style yeah and did he always have like a cigar or yeah, something he's chomping a cigar like, and he has cigar, like, like these specific kind of like sunglasses and then like it, circular sunglasses yeah. and he looks like yeah and there's always juxtaposition between him and rusty russell where like you'll see an interview with luke wilson's character and he'll be you know saying like oh you know we're gonna do our best now i gotta go back to coaching and then um you know this other guy is like oh we're gonna win now get the fuck out of here you know this kind of thing and he's just mm-hmm. like it's so over the top and 
so goofy and you're watching this and you're kind of one you're thinking to yourself this is a terrible movie but at the same time you're kind of ironically enjoying it because you're laughing at how yes. bad it is because it is entertaining in that way and that in that sort of way that hacksaw ridge is but unlike hacksaw ridge where you get more mad at it this movie you know you know it's not going to get nominated for a bunch of oscars which I i'm think sure that's like what it, yeah. what it wants but it's not going to get that no not at all and that's what makes the you know almost two hours tolerable right because i feel like at least it was so over the top to the point which you just made is that it kind of makes it watchable even though you wish you didn't watch it by the end of it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like one of those things you're like, all right, at least I could laugh or I was texting you things throughout it or just going, oh my, it took me like three different tries to get through this movie. I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll say that though. Like I had to pause it three different times. And even though I was laughing, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm now, like, was I that just the movie or is that just because of like, you know, right now during the pandemic and lockdown, you know, I, I think a lot of people have become sort of like, you know, attention spans have changed and what Dude, have you. Yeah. I mean, that's another conversation we can probably have on the main show, but I have been realizing that more and more now that I'm like, I'm so excited for theaters to get back open just because like, I am ready to, I, I love the, we obviously love the experience of going to the theaters, but even these festivals I found with South by Southwest and Tribeca, I've struggled to one, get motivated to watch stuff. And then while I'm watching stuff, be motivated to, you know, pay attention. And like, um, I try now to like either leave my phone at the computer while I'm at the couch or leave it, even leave it upstairs in the bedroom. Cause I find if I don't, it's like one of those things where if you, if you don't have it, you won't use it. Right. I usually turn like, it off. I've been turning it off a lot. That's more great. Recently. I wish like, I, I feel like, cause a lot of this stuff, it's like, if I get bored or something, I'll take a break or I'll get up and I, I can pause the movie. It's not like if I'm at the movie theaters and I run out and the movie's going to keep playing. Right. Yeah. And I, and I'm so about the theatrical experience that I will never look at my phone or if I want to go look at my phone, I'll leave the theater if the movie's bad enough or whatever. But yeah, at home I've just been, um, I think as this has gone on now a year and a half, essentially of us doing this, I'm just at that point where I'm like, I got to go to the theater to watch these things. Just so I sit down and pay attention to them. That's why I'm hoping to, yeah, you're completely locked into watching a movie in, I mean, like, you know, you have in the past gone to the bathroom, but that's, that's just, I run to the bathroom and come back. But at home it's like, if Nevis or Sarah need to go use the laundry room or go out to the backyard or, you know, Georgie comes in and annoys me like during the movie or or something like that. Like so there's so many distractions lately that like I felt like especially with this movie I kept finding myself especially a movie that's not great. Like there are and they, don't get me wrong, movies that are very good were I mean you guys can check out our review of uh The Novice um which we're going to talk about soon and and you guys can listen to. Like there's a movie I was pretty much locked in on and I had no interest and looking at my phone roadrunner another one so it just depends on the content of the movie but um i did find myself in this like even though at times you can laugh at it it's just so ugh, that it's just like you do end up getting bored you can only laugh at it for so long and then you start to go jesus christ let's wrap this shit up so <laughs> um i don't have much else to say we've already talked 20 minutes on it well it's, i have two uh, things to, yeah please to, please to say so okay the first thing is we already mentioned it, but Robert Duvall basically has a cameo in this, and it's like yeah, the yeah. first kind of game that these these orphans have, and you know them really 
doing horribly. Because like the other idea of this is that uh, Rusty Russell introduces sort of strategies that are very commonplace in football now, like sort of like the the spread out tactics and things like that, that you think like, okay, well, that's what you always see in football, right? Like that's the other thing. There's a lot of uh, projection and sort of like telegraphing like, oh, this is going to be important. This is important. This yeah. is going to revolutionize the the sport of football, not just on like a, a high school level, but just like in general. Um, but seeing Martin Sheen and Robert Duvall, you know, Robert Duvall is in his 90s and Martin Sheen, I think, is in his 80s at this point. Um, and seeing them have a scene together which might be the last scene they have together in a, in a film. And this being that the movie that they, they're in together. And like yeah, Martin Sheen is 80. Robert Duvall is 90. So. Yeah. And, and it just kind of felt like while watching and I was like, Oh man, this is a shame that this might be like the last thing that they do together because, you know, apocalypse now their scenes together in that movie are, are so iconic. And, and, you know, you, you think about actors having, reunited later on in their lives or their careers it's such a big deal it's such a big deal yeah and then like when you have you know have they not done anything since then i don't know i don't think so and then like you have like someone like also i haven't watched it but like with christopher walken and robert de niro uh in the war on grandpa you know thinking (laughs) of you know their their scenes together in the deer hunter you know another vietnam movie like it's just it's like it's such a waste and and you know, to a lesser extent, like even when we did a review for Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, like having a couple scenes with Selma Hayek and Antonio Banderas, and it just kind of feels almost like a wasted opportunity, you know, to have these two actors that were in Desperado together and really do nothing with them <clears throat> of, of interest. And, and mm-hmm. other than just maybe, you know, acknowledging that we are aware that they were in that movie together or that franchise <clears throat> together. Um and it is probably one of the nicer little moments just because it's like, oh, it's like these two guys that were in one of the, you know, the greatest movies of the 1970s, uh, you know, have a have this little moment together. And now they're, you know, they're old men, um, which, again, was just kind of like, oh, I could be watching Apocalypse Now instead of this. Right. Um, and then the other thing that kind of gave me this like post-traumatic uh, stress disorder was um, so the wife in this film played by Vanessa uh, Shaw um she would go on to work with uh carlson young who has like an almost nothing role in this is one of the uh orphans uh boyfriends but she directed uh the worst movie i saw at sundance uh this year uh the blazing world right so that's probably where they um were where they met during pre-production because she plays um, Vanessa Shaw plays the mother in uh, the, the blazing world and has a, a lead role in that, which right, is actually, right. if you can believe it worse than this movie <laughs> and more laughable. Right. Yeah. I think you laughed even more at that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Duvall and Sheen thing, like and Robert Duvall hasn't really done much. Well, like, Widows lately. was the last like, big thing yeah. that he was in, which was what? 28, which is great. And yeah. he, and is great. And he is great. But then like, I mean, he's only done, you know, a couple movies since The Judge before doing this. Right. Which he got an Oscar nomination for, which is, uh, it almost feels like that may be his last one. I know he has a movie that he's in pre-production with Ed Harris on, but who knows if like- The Plowman, yeah. Yeah, uh, which actually doesn't sound bad. Um, And another sports sports drama uh, called Hustle. Um, with Adam oh, oh, Sandler, with Adam Sandler and, yeah, the yeah. Netflix film. Actually, no, that yeah. that might be something of interest there, but but again, it depends on like 
his role. But it just was kind of almost felt like maybe like Martin Sheen gave him a call because it's like, oh, I know that like Robert Duvall lives in Texas and like, you know, like he'll come in and do this part for a day or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is essentially, which, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know why they, they gave him top billing. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like treat Williams as the, the newspaper guy where it's like, he's always coming in and having these sort of like goofy idioms and phrases and betting on things. And you're just kind of like, what's the point? Why cast yeah. treat Williams in this role? Like, I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, not good, but you can laugh at it once in a while. So uh, I will give it a two, which is being generous. <laughs> I will also give it a two, which is generous, and say that this is uh, uh, the Mighty Morphin Orphan Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie yeah <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening uh if you like this we got a lot of other uh tribeca reviews that you guys can check out right now uh you can check out our reviews for uh see for me uh catch the fair one italian studies um wolfgang uh the novice werewolves within uh we'll also have a review for roadrunner uh, a film about anthony bourdain false positive um, a couple other movies as well. Um, so we'll keep an eye out for all of that right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, outside of the festival, uh, we have some regular reviews up right now that you guys can check out. You can check out um, Kevin Hart and Fatherhood. We reviewed that as well as Disney Pixar's Luca, which is available for you guys to listen to right now. Um, our next draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast will be available next week after we finish the Tribeca Film Festival because we're going to have uh a comeback this week of sorts for uh, another one of our shows so keep an eye open for that um we'll announce that once it's been recorded and when we plan on putting it up so uh it should be fun um please head over to our letterbox to check out you know all of our you know rankings reviews links to our social channels you know uh whatever nonsense we feel like putting up there um and we feel like reviewing will be all up on our letterbox channel it's kind of our one-stop shop for everything untitled so it's untitled podcast over on letterbox we would love for you guys to go follow us there untitled underscore cast on all those other social medias um drop us a review if you would be so kind and you can follow me personally on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time it's the hard knock life for us